It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. The Oilers will play the Sharks on Friday. San Jose home to the Flames tonight. Doesn't start until 8.30. The Jets will play the Canucks a little bit later on. Late in the first, the Blues and the Stars are tied 1-1. Second period, wild up 1-0 on the Avalanche. In the first, Ottawa and Chicago even at 1. Late second period, Panthers with a 2-1 edge over the Sabres. In the third, the Kings and the Blue Jackets are even at 1. Canadians up 2-1 on the Ducks late in the second period. Five minutes left in the middle frame in Tampa. The Lightning with a 2-0 edge over the Red Wings. Penguins 4, Rangers 2. That one early in the third. Predators up 3-0 on the Devils with 13 minutes left. Same point of the game. The Islanders with a 3-1 lead over the Boston. And Bruins. Your scoreboard is for Crystal Glass for all your uh, glass needs. Uh, let me do that again. Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Visit crystalglass.ca. There we go. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Oilers game tomorrow. Coverage will start at 6 with the face-off show game at 7.30. Raptors in action tonight. They're cruising up 83-63 on Brooklyn with four minutes left in the third quarter. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Hey, LaDuke's Jordan Cook, who's a goaltender for the University of Saskatchewan, has been named to Canada's Spengler Cup team, a tournament uh, coming up here over the Christmas season. We're going to try to get Jordan on the show here before the end of the week. Ken Reed in this half hour from Sportsnet, always an entertaining guest. He's going to tell you a little bit about his uh, new book, One Night Only, that if you're looking for a late Christmas gift, I will humbly suggest that one, Ken's book, is is uh, really good. He's coming up in about 10 minutes or so. You know, we're talking a little bit about Patrick Maroon. And I, I think you all know the story, if you've been listening to Inside Sports. Remember that clip from last year where he really said, I, I can't believe how this team just crumbles after they allow a goal or two or fall behind. And I know a lot of you like that. And, and I think you're going to like some of the stuff Maroon said today after practice in in uh, in Arizona. Here's one of them referring to the comeback last night and and just team attitude. Good things are going in the right direction for the Edmonton Oilers, and we have a really good core in here. Great group of guys. We, we're having fun with it, and you know we just got to enjoy it. You know the swaggers is a huge thing in energy. You got to have confidence in this league, and you got to believe in yourselves and the guys next to you. And you know we're doing that, and it's good. And the coaching staff is leading us in the right direction and doing a really good job of helping us. So here's a question for you folks. When was the last time you heard an Oilers play talk about swagger and confidence and you didn't laugh? No, I'm serious. I mean, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but I'm also being serious. When was the last time you heard an Oilers player talk about swagger and confidence and he he actually believed it? And like I was referencing earlier, when Terrence called in, it's not everything. It's not everything. You have to have the ability. You have to have the work ethic. But... 
would you sooner have a team that felt it had a little bit of swagger and confidence or one that didn't? And I think the Oilers are developing it. You don't want it to get cocky. You don't want it to get overbearing. But I think you want that. You know what? If we go out and work, we can match anybody and, and, and beat anybody. And Maroon's always been that type of guy. And during the, the five-game losing streak earlier in the season, he was saying everybody needs to calm down. There's 82 games. We're not going to go 82-0. and Let's just keep fighting here. And they've kept doing that, and now the record looks okay. I mean, they're they're not in the top five in the league, but they're closer to the top five than they are to the bottom five. Now, I also want you to listen to this to Maroon about playing the Coyotes, and especially what he says at the very end. We know in here what Arizona's been doing us the last few years. Uh, you know, they have her number right now. we got to find ways to, you know, get the, get at the goalie because he's their, he's their best player right now. Uh, Smith's a really good goalie, and we got to find ways to do what we did last night. If we do exactly what we did in the second and third period, there's no reason why we don't win our game tomorrow. If we do what we did last night, there's no reason we don't win tomorrow. And you know what? When it comes to the matchup with Arizona, he's right. The Oilers should be favored in this game. And and despite what's happened, I'm comfortable saying they should beat Arizona more often than not if they could just go in there and play that way and commit to playing the way they played in the final two periods. I mean, he's right. I don't think he's being overconfident. I don't think he's being cocky. I don't think he's being disrespectful to the Coyotes. I think Patrick Maroon is saying, hold the phone, everybody. Let's look at what we have and what we can do. And it should be good most nights to be in the game or win the game. So I personally love to hear that. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Todd McClellan, coach of the team, was asked if he's uh, going to go back to the Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Maroon line tomorrow. Yeah, um, you know, and it doesn't come as, surpri- as a surprise, but we have to have a little bit of balance. Um, you know, as we got down in the game and we lost Pitter, it was common sense to put them there. And, uh, the type of play that Latestu's line is providing us right now makes us uh, comfortable doing that. But um, it's always about the group, but it's trying to find uh, at least three lines that can uh, hold their own and, and tilt the game our way. And um, last night, Leon going up to that wing made a huge difference. All right, so again, the, the lines at practice, Lucic, McDavid, Eberle, Maroon, Dreisaitl, Nugent, Hopkins, Hendricks, Latestu, Cassian, Pouliot, Kajula, Pouliarve. I'm doing those left to right, obviously. The uh, Pouliot, Kajula, Pouliarve line, all right, I, I mean, I, you, I don't know what I'm going to get from that line, personally. I, I feel like I don't know what I'm going to get from that line. Kajula is still a relatively new NHLer. Pouliarve is, is well, they're, they're both new NHLers. pouliarve has been in and out. He's been up and down, and uh, Pouliot's been in and out of the lineup lately. Hasn't been having a huge effect when he's been in. Letestu, Hendricks, and Cassian have been pretty consistent, uh, but just the nature of their abilities. Sometimes they don't have a huge impact on games. Top two lines have been pretty good, with McDavid and Dreisaitl leading the way. And and I was thinking about Leon Dreisaitl, and it, almost everybody I talk to now, a couple guys phoned in about it today, Rob and I get calls after the game. I talk to my buddies. I mean, I, I, I talk to my mom and dad after pretty much every game. And, uh, like, th- th- this this is my dad after pretty much every game. Leon! Just, uh, just go to my dad and I say, hey, what would you think of the game? He's just like, Leon! <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... Are, are you like that when you're watching the game? You're just looking at the screen or you're at Roger's place and you're just like, Leon! I mean, here, here's the thing about Dreisaitl, and I, and I ask you this, as, as people who have 
probably watched hockey your entire lives or most of your lives and are passionate about the Oilers. Is there any situation in a hockey game where you would not be comfortable having Leon Dreisaitl on the ice? I mean, is that not one of the largest compliments you can pay a player? Pretend you're the coach of the Edmonton Oilers for a game. Is there any situation where you would feel, oh my God, I wish Leon wasn't on the ice? I mean, think about it. Offensive zone face-off, defensive zone face-off, power play, penalty kill. You need a goal late in the game to tie it. You need to win a face-off late in the game to help preserve a lead. He's been playing in all situations, and he's been thriving in all situations. And he's, I mean, like I said earlier, he's 11th in the NHL in scoring. He's tied for first in the NHL with power play goals. He seemingly wins puck battles. He has no business winning. To me, as great as McDavid is, and clearly he's a phenomenal talent, I've almost taken as as much pleasure in watching Dreisaitl this year just because I think he's coming along quicker than certainly I thought he would. So anyway, some Oilers thoughts. They play tomorrow. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chet. Ken Reed from Sportsnet is going to check in after the break. Always love having him on the show. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Our face-off show tomorrow night will start at uh, 6 o'clock as the Oilers try to end the Coyotes' curse, Arizona. 21-0-4 in their last 25 games against the Edmonton Oilers. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show from Sportsnet, an author as well, it's Ken Reed. Ken, how are you doing? Awesome, Reed. Thank you for calling. Well, it's a true Christmas gift for me to have you on the show, so thank you for uh, making my wishes come true. You're too kind, buddy. I wish you asked for more, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, st- I always settle, don't I? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, if you're settling, if you ask for me on the show for Christmas. <laughs> I got to think bigger. Well, yeah, you need to rewrite the Santa. Yeah, but I should have just asked for Guns N' Roses tickets. They're coming to Edmonton next oh, year. Do it. I saw them last summer when they were here in Toronto. It was awesome. It was Zonny and I got a box. Greg's on. You want to watch Guns N' Roses, you got to watch Guns N' Roses with Greg's on. It was awesome. Okay, so what's Greg's on like at a concert? He's like me at a concert. <laughs> the same thing. You're just rocking out hard. We are not there. We are not there to to pleasantly watch Guns N' Roses. We stood up the whole time. We had an absolute blast. It was, it was fantastic. It was, and, and you know what? They were on. They were tight. They were wicked. It was, it was awesome. Now, give me a sense of, because you're obviously of the generation when you were, I mean, you were probably like me, a teenager when they burst onto the scene and were really popular mm-hmm. with all the 80s music and stuff. How much of the crowd was people who were like from that era and like, yeah, I had to see this band. They were one of my favorites yep. in the 80s and 90s. And how much was maybe a younger crowd who were like, well, I'm going to go to this show ironically or check it out or whatever. <laughs> no, nah, it was 95% hardcore. Good. 40-ish age people that were that were there because they grew up with these guys and they couldn't believe that Doc Slash and Axel were on the same stage again. It was it was awesome. It was a hard crowd. It was excellent. Well, all right. So I'll put that on my Christmas list. What did you have a favorite Christmas gift of all time that you've ever received, Ken? Oh, absolutely. Christmas 1984. I I asked for Long Cooperall because they were in, and I looked and looked under the tree and I didn't find. And I was he oh I was just so angry that Santa didn't bring me Cooperall. 
And my dad said, well, let me look way under the back. And they were there. I dove in. I almost knocked the tree over. It was the greatest Christmas gift of my life. A Christmas dinner that night. My cousins were there. They were all in their little children's dress clothes. I wore a long Cooper all Christmas dinner. It was the greatest Christmas present I ever received. So thank you, Santa, for that. Yeah, well, most of my minor hockey career in the 1980s, I wore Cooperalls even long after oh. they were they were out of the NHL. You know, I interviewed Daryl Sittler a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, and he was yeah, he was just like, I hated those things. Oh God, because well, when you'd fall for kids, it was fun. You'd fall and you'd slide, but in the NHL, you'd fall and you'd slide forever, which isn't that good in the NHL, right? But yeah, but, but look, the Whalers or the Flyers. Could you imagine going to the storied Montreal Forum? You're looking up at all the banners, and you look down, and you're wearing hockey slacks. Is that <laughs> That's kind of a buzzkill, you know? <laughs> what was your favorite hockey-related Christmas gift, like an XL7 or something? Uh, pro- <laughs> probably, you know what, I have it on my desk, actually. Uh, I can't remember if it was a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. I'll, I'll take a picture of it here and tweet it out. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a magnetic standings board from the 1980 yep. season. So it has the wow. four divisions, even though, they, even though the standings that year were just 1 through 21. But it yep. has little. It's it's magnetized, so you have a team logo as a magnet, and then you could. So you got the Atlanta around. Flames on there. Uh, I have the Atlanta Flames. I have the Minnesota North Stars. Uh, I have the, the Hartford Whalers. The old Canucks logo. Yeah. And what's funny is, Ken, it was obviously made for people who didn't know a lot about hockey because mm-hmm. the logos are exact logos except they have all the team names worked into them so the Montreal oh, Canadiens logo has Montreal oh. Canadiens written in the sea so people who didn't know anything about oh. hockey would know that's the Montreal is, logo <laughs> that is awfully awesome so the Atlanta <laughs> flame has an Atlanta flames around it underneath it, Nordic, Edmonton Oilers. yeah Edmonton oh has goodness. Edmonton in an arc at the top of the circle which <laughs> Oh, I want to see a picture of this, and I want this. Oh, that's awesome. See, I love stuff like that. I love stuff like that. That's excellent. Yeah, I excellent. Dive. That's Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. I found these in a box uh, a few years ago when I moved, and I was like, I'm just going to take these to work, because I have an NFL standing, magnetic standing boards from the 1980s as well with uh, wow. some old logos on it. And, and, and the Cleveland Browns logo has a little yeah. pen mark on it, so I think at some point I thought, they need a logo, and I was going to draw one on, and then I must have stopped myself. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but their logo is kind of their whole helmet because it's just brown. Yeah, I always found that funny. Like, yeah, it's kind of lame. Those <laughs> yeah, like, so like kids, if you like, put something on. They've, they've, they've kind of lived up to their logo, though, haven't they? Especially this year, buddy. <laughs> hey, you got to win sometime. You'd think maybe not, though. Well, there's always next year, right? You got 16 exactly. more tries get, next year if you don't get it this year. Get that one. Get that one. <laughs> Ken Reed from Absolutely. Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports. How, how many uh, how many years on Sportsnet now for you? Or how many? Sorry, how many years in broadcasting in general? Oh, geez, broadcasting in general. Well, it's uh, what are we coming up to? Twenty seventeen. So once the old calendar hits uh, January second on twenty seventeen, as far as professional, i.e., getting paid broadcasting, that's twenty years. It's my twenty year anniversary on. January 2nd, that's when I started my first full-time job in broadcasting. And what was that? Do you remember? Uh, it was, well, my first gig out of school was play-by-play guy for the Dartmouth Olin Exports Junior A team, the Maritime Junior A Hockey League. We did a Tuesday night game, taped it, and it would air on Saturday. And then that station, because I was volunteering at it, they started a community news program. It was a Channel 10. So they hired me. I was one of their three hires, so I was the sports anchor and reporter, as well as a news reporter, shooter, 
editor, uh, camera guy, uh, and I actually, you know how you see those old signs where it's just letters and they, you know, you, the letters go up and it has to be manually done. I used to do that. I used to have to put the letters on, you know. This week, you know, cable packages starting at twenty nine ninety five. So I did everything. It was a good way to learn the business. I looked at it as two years of paid grad school, and it did not pay well. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, okay, so you did play-by-play for a game on Tuesday, and you didn't air mm-hmm. it till Saturday. I mean, who listened to this? Didn't you know what already happened? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure you would. But the, the guy that ran the station owned the team, and the players loved it. And so they'd all watch it, and then they'd go to the bars, I'd assume. And, I mean, for me, I could care less because I was getting experience, right? So it was great. And it was awesome once they started paying me for it because I'd get $8 an hour. And if the game went longer than two hours, I'd get up to 24 bucks and free Pizza Hut. It oh. was awesome. It was, it was delightful. So for a kid 22 years old, it was very exciting. But, I mean, I couldn't do it now. You know, I've, I have a house to heat, you know, <laughs> things like that. But, right. but it was great. It was outstanding experience. I'm very, very happy I did it. And I, I did play-by-play for a little over two years for that team, and I, I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, Ken, Christmas is coming up, and in a few minutes here, we're actually going to give away a copy of your book on air, but it's also a great thing for people to go out and grab uh, last minute. It's called One Night Only. Just Mm -hmm. give me the the Coles notes of of how you got this project rolling and then how it's been received Mm -hmm. since it came out. Coles notes version is like everybody else I dreamed of playing in the NHL. Did not happen. Then as I got older, I'd say I'd give anything to play one game in the NHL. So it dawned on me one day that I should write a book about guys who played one game in the NHL and was it worth it. So I talked to 40 guys, uh, one of them from St. Albert, uh, Dean Clark. He played one game for the Edmonton Oilers in the 1984 season, 83-84 season. First year the Oilers won the Cup. And it was just, it's all kinds of different stories. There's guys who are retired now. There's guys who are hockey coaches. There's guys who are probably Canada's most famous hockey broadcaster ever. There's guys who are presidents of teams. There's guys who have nothing to do with hockey. And I wanted to know, was it all worth it? So we'll let you know. Uh, The book's doing really well. It's sold out on Amazon right now. So we're shipping more copies to Amazon. So if you want to order it, go to Amazon.ca or it's also available in fine bookstores everywhere. Yeah, we have plenty of those in the city of Edmonton. Yeah, it is a fun read for sure. Ken, hey. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, and you're a lot of fun to have on the show. We covered uh, Guns N' Roses and uh, Pizza Hut mm-hmm. and your book. So that's a pretty productive interview, I think. Oh, I think I think we did very well. We did very well. But Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody in Edmonton. And, and the gift that you guys keep getting every night is Connor McDavid. I mean, I don't have to tell you how awesome it is watching that. It's amazing how many people in Toronto watch Edmonton Oilers games now. It blows my mind. Everybody at work, because we get all the games coming in, right? And two teams, I'd say, that get the most views from people working at Sportsnet now, just on the in-house feeds, are the Oilers and the Jets, because all the exciting young talent, and Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, for sure. Some of the more uh, high-powered teams in the league. Ken, thanks a lot for joining us. That's Ken Reed from Sportsnet. The book is called One Night Only. If somebody likes reading about hockey, it's a good Christmas gift. Or uh, if you if you we, we, should we give one away, Patrick? Let's give one away. Patrick Bauer on the other side of the window. Did I give you the trivia answer already? So when people call in? I have the answer, and I already got a call, a guy that wanted to win it, and he said, what's the question? And I couldn't tell Well, him. he's eager. He was eager. He's yeah. eager. Yeah.
A little too eager, but well, uh, well, I got well that's that's fine. I mean, he, well, he could be the only guy listening, so maybe he's going to get the, the first chance to win it. Tell you what, because I like the '80s rock, and uh, Ken and I were discussing uh, the Guns N' Roses concert that he went to, and we have one. What is it in August coming up in Edmonton? What is track number nine on their album "Appetite for Destruction"? Oh yeah, you got to be hardcore to know this one. What that's, is track? That's deep. No- what is track? Well, uh, let's hold on. What is track number nine on Appetite for Destruction? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Some people are like, "That's so easy," and other people are like, "Who? What is he talking about?" Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Still ahead, we have the uh, Heroes of Twenty Sixteen segment with Olympic bronze medalist Stephanie Labe, goalkeeper for the women's Olympic soccer team that got the medal in Rio. Time for your calls and texts as well, and we'll update the scoreboard. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. I also want to tell you that Edmonton's Sam Steele, who was drafted 30th overall by the Ducks this past summer, has signed his entry-level contract. Plays for the Regina Pats. Uh, was a bit of a surprise cut, in my mind anyway, from Canada's World Junior Team. He leads the Western Hockey League in scoring 54 points in 25 games. So congratulations to Sam Steele. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports. On 6.30, Chet, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Patrick Bowers, our studio operator this evening. So, like, are you are you the new guy? Matthew Panasic retired? Um, like, I don't think I'll replace him. Pretty big shoes you're to fill. you're already here. I'm already here. Right. But I also have a full-time job outside of this, so. Cool. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm a busy guy. Interesting. Yeah, All that's right. why. So my hair fell out. I'm so busy. Well, you are bald. <laughs> I noticed that. Oh. All right, but you're okay working here. If you're like, what are you going to do? A few nights? Is he going to do some hockey games with us? Yep. Did you, did you request, I only want to work with Reed Wilkins because he's t- so nice? I did say that, and they said, really? Because he's requested the exact opposite. So, cat's <laughs> out of the bag, buddy. Because I'm a tyrant. <laughs> you got to know what you want. Oh, who won the uh, trivia contest? Stuart. Stuart. Man, as soon as you dropped that appetite for destruction, I thought this computer was going to explode. Phone lines lit up. Everybody knew, man. You, you know your audience. Let's well, put it I that think, way. I, I think there, uh, I think there might be a, a uh, there, there may be a large number of listeners out of the fourteen that we have in my general age range. I think so. Which means you probably, even if you don't like the '80s rock, you were, at the very least were exposed to it heavily. Uh, so anyway, the quiz, Stuart. Can you uh, email the info to Cassandra in promotions to make yes, sure he gets done. his book when he comes comes uh, to the station? Uh, what was what's track nine on appetite appetite for destruction? <laughs> Any, any kid listen to that these days and think that, you know, Taylor Swift is better than that? Or who else is popular? Is Beyonce still a thing? Who? Fergie? Well, that girl that wet herself on stage? <laughs> Did that seriously happen? That seriously happened. Look it up, but, you know. Well, I'm not sure I want to. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> I assume there's video of it. How did I miss that? Fergie, like... 
It was pretty big. By it, wet herself, you mean actual urination? Actually, like yeah, she and she said she talked about it afterwards openly, saying that she had you know been on tour and well, you she get was, worn down. <laughs> I mean, for all for, for all people know, I could be peeing myself constantly. <laughs> We're getting into dark territory here. (laughs) Well, sometimes, you know, this is the thing. We lost an hour of the show, so now all the weird stuff we talked about between 8 and 9, we have to do between 7.30 and 8. Got to shoehorn it in there, okay. We got to shoehorn it in there. That's right. I like your lingo, Patrick Bauer. Oh, yeah. So, uh, sorry, who was it got the tickets? Stuart Guy was his name. Stuart got the tickets, so uh, he wins. He gets the Ken Reed book. He can pick it up. Well, hopefully he can pick it up before Christmas and give it to somebody or keep it for himself. I guess I make it sound like you have to give it as a Christmas gift. I don't care, really. <laughs> Once you win it, do, do, read it yourself. I don't care. It's, it's a good It's a good book. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I better catch up on the scoreboard here. The Islanders have defeated the Bruins 4-3. The Predators ring up the Devils 5-1. Devils have been having a tough time lately. They're down to 12-13-7 on the year. The Penguins roll over the Rangers 7-2. Two good teams. I think they've had a couple blowout games against each other this year. Kings and Blue Jackets are in overtime tied at 2. Early in the third, Habs with a 2-1 edge over the Ducks. Oilers fans, you will want Montreal to win that one. It'll help the Oilers. The Lightning taking it to the Red Wings tonight. It's 4-0 early in the third. Third period just starting in Florida. Panthers and Sabres 2-2. The Wild have a 2-0 edge over the struggling avalanche that is after two. Chicago, Ottawa 1-1 in the second. Blues and Stars 1-1 in the second period. Still to come, Jets up against the Canucks and the Flames 17-15-2 on the season taking on the Sharks 19-12-1. So do you cheer for the Flames because the Oilers are tied with the Sharks, or do you cheer with the Sharks just because you hate the Flames? There's the moral dilemma tonight, everybody. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to get to Todd McClellan here. Just a quick comment on that Pitlick injury. Oh, hang on. I turned the uh, thing down when the music was playing. Here we go. No, he's going to go back if, you know, usually if a player's on a flight mid-trip to go back and, and see doctors, it's not a a real good thing, but you know we've got our fingers crossed, and uh, really felt for him last night. He was emotional. He had such an impact, positive impact on our team, and uh, just finding his way into the league now permanently uh, to have that happen is tough for the for the young man. But um, I was happy that the group picked it up for him and played for him down the stretch. All right, so that's Todd McClellan. So Tyler Pitlick coming back to Edmonton looked like a left leg injury last night, and uh, that's a tough one. I mean, Pitlick has been able to contribute offensively, got his uh, eighth of the season last night, snapping in a Leon Dreisaitl face-off win, been playing with energy, been getting in there in the body, going in straight lines to the net, shooting the puck, and it's all been paying off for him. So that's that's tough. I mean, Pitlick is a loss. I wouldn't have, You wouldn't have thought we'd be saying that this deep into the season, but that's a loss to have uh, Pitlick. JJ says, no dilemma at all, Reed. Go Sharks, go. Playing against the Flames tonight. <laughs> Steven says, hey, Reed, what have you thought of Everly's game recently? Oh, that's always a can of worms, isn't it, when someone texts in about Jordan Everly. Look, um, I think Everly's been doing better in his own end. I think he's been back-checking better. I think he got embarrassed that play against Dallas. Um, I, offensively, I would like to see Everly take the puck to the net more. That, that would be my Coles Notes version of what I see from Everly's games. We know he can make plays. We know he can stick handle. Sometimes you will score that way. I think he needs to get his body and or the puck, if he's carrying it, to the net a bit more. 
We have Brad on the phone line. Hello, Brad. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, does Pitlick remind you of Boone Jenner? <sighs> does Pitlick remind me of Boone Jenner? Uh, no, seriously. Like, Jenner would be wait. bigger, wouldn't it? How big is Jenner? Yeah, but Pitlick plays pretty big. Uh, Jenner, uh, 6'2", 215. Oh, maybe Jenner liked at this point. I mean, the thing is with Pitlick, he hasn't been doing it very long, right? This is his best year by far. Oh, for sure. No, but, you know, there must be Do you be think he has that potential? Yeah, that's what I'm getting now, like 30 goal scorer. Like, you got to remember, he's been in and out of the lineup. And he, he still has eight goals, and I believe, I believe he's leading the orders in, uh, even strength goals, five on five goals, is he not? Oh, he might be. Yeah, I'd have to check that. Well, he, yeah, he probably. Well, no, I think I think Connor still is because doesn't Connor only have one power play goal? But mm, yeah, quite, quite possibly. But yeah, Pillick eight goals in thirty-one games. Uh, he is a little bit smaller than Jenner. He's also two years older. So. Oh, okay. If he could, I mean, Pitlick might have been able to flirt with twenty goals this season. Fair enough. Uh, I think Jenner is a more polished offensive player who can play in your top six. I think Pitlick was developing into a pretty good third line guy, maybe a middle six guy if he kept it up. But you know, I fair enough. In, I see where you're going with it. Yeah, and I'm the guy that called in about moving um, Ever, um, Nugent Hopkins to the wing. There. You're going to be right. You're going to be right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> like, I, Here's the future. Dreisaitl and McDavid, one-two punch. Like, you couldn't ask for a better one to punch for the next, um, well, at least 10 to 12 years. Why, why are we trying to put Nugent Hopkins on the third line? He's just not that person. Well, I like Nuge a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people think, well, I won't say a lot, but we get asked about trading Nugent Hopkins or Eberle. I think there's more diversity to Nugent Hopkins' game. And even if people don't like his contract, I still think that he's a pretty interesting piece to have on your team in conjunction with the other two guys. I, I still think out of the three people, Nugent Hopkins by far is the smarter player. The harder work, the more, I, just, I just think he's the smarter player of the Eberle, the Hall, and himself. I, did, I think that they, I got, I think they got this. The trade right. I think they still played a little bit too much for Larson, but I still think Lars, uh, long term, Nugent Hopkins is a better player from that whole 200 foot game. And last thing is, I always cheer for San Jose over Calgary because <laughs> no matter no matter what, I, I, I don't. I hate Calgary. Like I hate them. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, San Jose, as long as they have Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe and Martin Jones, they're always going to be in that playoff picture, keep driving the flames down. Well, that's the thing. that, like, the, If you look at the Oilers' lead over the first two non-playoff teams, it's actually pretty yeah. encouraging. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm, I'm going to say this. This is what the NHLPA always said. I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> Brad, good to hear from you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, quick timeout, and then we'll uh, reintroduce you to our Heroes of 2016 segment with Olympic bronze medalist Stephanie Labe. Inside Sports presents Heroes of 2016. All right, tonight's hero, Olympic bronze medalist in women's soccer from Spruce Grove, Alberta, 
goalkeeper, Stephanie Labe. Stephanie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, good to talk to you again. We got this little Heroes of 2016 segment we're doing to wrap up the year. You probably wouldn't call yourself that, but uh, you are a hero to uh, you know people in northern Alberta, to a lot of Canadians. How's life been as, as the last few months as an Olympic bronze medalist? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty hectic. I mean, right from the Olympics, you know, I was able to come home for three days and kind of celebrate with my family and friends, and then it was right back down to the States to, to be with my pro club, Washington Spirit, and finish off our season there where we we ended up getting to the national championship and unfortunately losing losing in that but um you know after that it was a bit of a whirlwind and so i finally after that got to come home in mid-october and and chill out for a bit and the pet you know for about a month i was just traveling around canada doing appearances and i guess kind of soaking up all the excitement around uh winning the bronze medal and around the team and everything and now the past uh, few weeks, I've been home in Spruce Grove and just kind of taking a, a deep breath and relaxing a little more. Um, I say that, although I did just get a dog a couple weeks ago, so I say I'm relaxing, uh -oh. but I'm not sure I am with the new puppy. <laughs> Uh-oh, what kind of dog? <laughs> He's a crazy concoction of a Boston Terrier, a French Bulldog, and a Pomeranian. Well, that is crazy. <laughs> I was trying to picture that, and you lost me halfway yeah. along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of, I guess most most of it, he looks like a terrier. A little, he's black and white and, yeah, real cute. Is, it, is this, uh, sir, you must have had a dog before. This can't be your first dog. No, this is my first dog. No we, way. Uh, we didn't have animals really growing up. Yeah, my dad was allergic. We, we couldn't really have any growing up. So it's something I've always wanted and I've always been around it. But finally, I, I got the opportunity to get my own. So pretty exciting. And, and I named him Rio after a pretty good summer. Oh, well, awesome. Dog named Rio. Perfect. Yeah. And, and how's, yeah. how's the potty training going? I can't believe I just asked that on the um, sports show. <laughs> It's going. He uh, he prefers the kitchen rather than the minus forty degree weather outside. <laughs> well, he'll he'll get there for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, what what was it like playing at the Olympics? That's the ultimate. And then you mentioned you go back to your club team. And I, I know you've been through this before, and you've been playing competitive soccer since you were a kid and all that kind of stuff. But was there a refocusing, or was it a bit of? Um, oh, all of a sudden the stakes aren't as high when you met, went back to your club team? What was that like getting back into the league play? Yeah, it was, um, I actually went through quite an interesting uh, transition there. Um, yeah, going back, you know, you it's just a different goal, you know. It's You're refocused from instead of winning an Olympics, you're now focused on winning the league and winning a, a national championship there. So definitely it's, you know, it's different. I wouldn't say it's any less or any more. I mean, of course, the stakes going into an Olympics are, are much, much higher. You're representing your country. Um, but, you know, my pro club, that's my job. That's that's where I get paid to do what I get paid to do. And, and that's, you know, who's really supporting me as a professional athlete. So there is a lot on the line going back. And um, for me, you know, I, I went back into an environment where, unfortunately, you know, when I was gone to the Olympics, my coach decided that um, the other goalkeeper won the starting spot. So I went back into an environment where I wasn't even playing. The coach decided not to play me after the Olympics. And so that was a, a tough mental battle and journey for me was, you know, to go from being on a complete high to, to being able to maintain that high and that confidence and high self-esteem, you know, and, and not being chosen to play with my pro team. So that was a, a bit of a, a mental battle for me, I guess, um, going back to my pro club with that. Yeah, that must have been something. Were you ever just like, uh, I got this little medal in my bag? or <laughs> You know, just bring it out while sitting on the bench, just yeah. shine it a bit. 
you know, you know my, my family made lots of jokes about that. And, you know, it's that's the tough thing about the sport is, you know, you go away to, to pursue one thing and someone else gets the opportunity and, and runs with the opportunity. And, you know, I've been in a situation similar to that on the flip side where, you know, a different starting goalkeeper left and, and I took my advantage of the opportunity I was given. And um, that's that's what it comes down to is, you know, somebody took a, the opportunity and, um, you know, it's the tough thing is, you know, I, I didn't feel that I did anything wrong and I didn't feel that, you know, I, I did anything to lose that spot. But in the end, it's the coach's decision and I have to just, you know, stay focused and keep doing that and keep doing what I can do as a professional and being a good teammate and working hard every day and, and making sure I'm ready so that, you know, if and when that time did come, that I would be ready. Stephanie Labe joining us on Inside Sports as we uh, look back on her life ever since she uh, helped the Canadian women's soccer team win a bronze medal in Rio. You mentioned some speaking in- engagements. What's it been like just meeting fans from across the country? I'm, I'm just curious, you know, their what they might say to you or, 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 or a reaction or if there's, you know, a touching or funny story that maybe maybe stands out on your travels. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I went to a bunch of different communities, and I think the one that, that really hit home for me was being able to go up to, to Fort McMurray here in Alberta, and um, I spoke at the men's collegiate banquet there, and I think being able to do that in, in a town where, you know, they've been through so much this year, and um, I was there on behalf of the, the CSA Canada Soccer, and um, we were able to donate a bunch of balls and cones and, and pennies and jerseys and stuff, you know, to, to a community that, that really lost a lot, but just to, I guess, feel the, the amount of love and passion that they still had and the support that they had for me was was pretty incredible. So I think just to be in that environment and really feel the, the generosity and the support there was pretty incredible. What's it been like? I mean, you and I have done interviews before, and, and before you, you had an, an Olympic medal to your credit. But, I mean, do people... Did, do you feel like you, your words carry more weight now or that maybe you're looked at as more of a role model now when you're out meeting kids or talking to coaches have, have you noticed any that that just the way people react around you and the importance they give to, to meeting you has that changed at all yeah i mean i think you know of course anytime you bring out the medal you you see the look on people's faces the look on kids faces you know and and when you say go ahead like hold it you know and just to see the kids hold that and it's almost like you can see a dream shaping right before your eyes and um, I think that's pretty touching and, and seeing, you know, how inspired kids can get just from seeing that and seeing that, you know, somebody right in front of them has gone out and done that. And I think at the same time, you know, for me, I've really tried to um, to instill in my speeches and, and in my talks when I'm talking to people that, you know, I don't define myself by this medal. This medal is, you know, on a certain day that, that we showed up and, and we played better than the other team that day. And but, you know, there's countless hours that have gone into winning that medal. There's a lot of wins. There's a lot of losses. There's, you know, a lot of pain that's gone into that medal. And there's so much more than, than just that one day that, that defines me. And I think that's the biggest message, message I've been trying to get across is that, you know, this medal is incredible and I've done so much. And it's, you know, it is a representation of the sacrifices I've made over the years and the amount of effort I've put in. But um, I'd like to define myself more by, by my journey and, you know, the amount of hard work it took to get to there. Well, I think that's an excellent message that you're putting across to people. And, and as an athlete, I, I mean, look, Stephanie, whether we like it or not, we know that Olympic sports, you know, aren't going to be in the spotlight as much, right, until 2020. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, this might be their 
last memory of the women's team, well, I guess until the next World Cup or then, or then the Olympics. But yeah, yeah for you, the, the journey goes on. And I'm sure you're thinking, okay, bronze was great. Can it be silver or gold next time, right? Like the, the journey Yeah, continues. oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the exciting thing about, you know, where this sport is going in this country and where soccer has kind of got to is that, you know, we we were almost disappointed with this bronze medal because we know that we, we had so much more and we know that we we had our, you know, minds and hearts set on something bigger. And I think that it's just fueling that, that drive to, to do better in 2020 and that that real singular focus um, for the next four years to, to not only do well in, in Tokyo in 2020, but for us to, to podium at the um, World Cup in 2019 as well. And to be able to do that in back-to-back years, to, to win a World Cup and win an Olympics in back-to-back years would be huge. And to think that, you know, that is a realistic goal now for, for Canada soccer is is so incredible and such an honour to be a part of, you know, this journey with myself and this team. All right, Stephanie, what's coming up for you? And I know you said you're trying to get some downtime, but don't, don't you have a soccer camp coming up right away? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm actually running a camp here in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium on uh, Boxing Day with Toss Ricketts, one of our men's national team players, and, and also a, a player for Toronto FC who was just in the MLS Cup final. So the two of us are, are joining forces and running a fun little soccer camp on Boxing Day, which should be pretty fun. Okay, well, that's going to be cool. So that's that's what I, I love about you high-level athletes. You're never really resting, even when you rest. So good, <laughs> good, good, good Yeah, for we you. say we are, but... Resting for us is, you know, being home with the family and friends, but also, you know, doing the best as we can to give back and, and hope to inspire some more kids to, to get where we are. Well, you've definitely done that. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sports. It's great to catch up with you. I know we'll do this again, but Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Perfect. Thank you. Same back to you. Great stuff. Stephanie Labe, Heroes of 2016, Olympic bronze medalist in women's soccer. She was the goalkeeper for Canada this summer. Final look at the scoreboard here. The Blue Jackets have won 10 straight. They beat the Kings 3-2 in a shootout. Third period, Habs up 4-1 on the Ducks. Also in the third, Lightning 4, Red Wings nothing. 2-2 Sabres and Panthers with nine minutes to go. Early third, Wild up 2-0 on the Avs. Eight minutes left, Senators 3, Blackhawks 2. Second period, St. Louis and Dallas are tied 1-1. Finals, Islanders over the Bruins 5-2. Predators whip the Devils 5-1. Penguins trump the Rangers 7-2. Still to come, Jets at Canucks, Flames at Sharks. The Raptors beat the Nets 116-104. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Patrick Bauer, the producer of Inside Sports, is Dave Campbell. Oilers-Coyotes tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show, 7.30 for the drop of the puck, all here on 6.30 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.